0: Hi, this is Bella Perryman, and you're listening to my dad on the Low Carb Leader Podcast. Welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast, a podcast focused on optimizing health and performance through a low carb lifestyle. Every episode will bring you a step closer to living an amazing low carb life. Come join us for this exciting journey. And here is your low carb leader and host, Dan Perryman. Hello, and welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. I am your host, Dan Perryman, and you have joined me for episode 6-0. So, are you happy? If you listen to this podcast, you spend a lot of time trying to eat right, trying to understand keto, try to understand fasting, how to exercise, how to live healthier, how to have good sleep routines. But are you happy? In today's episode, we have Dr. Robert Puff. Dr. Puff has the number one health podcast and self-help podcast on iTunes. He's an internationally recognized clinical psychologist. He's a professional speaker, and he has authored 13 books on a variety of topics, including relationships, anger management, holistic healing, and happiness. I think the topic of happiness is very important, and I also asked Dr. Puff to talk about burnout how people get into careers, especially with my background in hospitals. I saw a lot of people who spent a lot of time preparing for their careers, such as doctors and nurses and med techs and others. And then they get into their field and they feel totally burned out. And they're kind of in a difficult state because they've invested so much into their career. And now they're not sure that the career is for them. So I asked Dr. Puff to talk about that as well as happiness. So I'm guessing that several of you listening have never listened to the podcast before because Dr. Puff has shared this, and I'm sure you are followers of his podcast. So welcome. Welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. And I would ask that if you enjoy this episode, take a look back at some of the previous episodes. This podcast covers a wide array of topics from nutrition, fitness, stress, mindset, everything. Welcome to the show, and if you enjoy the show, I would just ask that you subscribe so you can always have time for one extra podcast. Before we get to the interview, let me remind you of my social media channels. You can find The Low Carb Leader on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter is at Daniel L. Perryman. And all the podcasts and blogs and everything else are found at com. I would also ask that you check out the homepage of the website. On the sidebar, you can find a download for the six-week low-carb plan, and that will get you onto my daily blog, which I talk about a lot of stuff, so I'd love to have you there as well. All right, on to the interview with Dr. Robert Puff. Dr. Puff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Great to be here. Yeah, very happy to have you on the show, and Well, let's just start with a little bit of your background. Take us back as far as you want, and then we'll get into happiness and everything else.
1: Well, I almost feel like I was just born to figure out why the heck we're here. I've just been always very curious about it. So I went through a lot of different stages, you know, kind of started off in the Midwest. I'm from Iowa originally, and I was raised in kind of the Iowa belt and saw people that life was going okay for them, but not as well as I thought it could go. So then I started branching out. I studied philosophy. I studied um Success. I got my PhD in psychology. I studied the religion of the world. I have two masters. One of them is in comparative religion. And I just kept going. And, um, you know, I learned some things, but along the way, I learned some things that really work. And, and in many ways, it's not that hard, but it really goes against what we do to be happy. And um, so now I just share that with people and try to improve their lives. Because really, one of the ways I talk about in my podcast, the happiness podcast, I talk about how we truly all can have beautiful lives. It just takes work. Because we're conditioned to be who we are. And if we change the conditioning, we change the way we are.
0: So, where did you grow up in Iowa?
1: Um, I was born in Sioux City, and then I lived in Storm Lake for about uh, eight years, eight years, and then about four years in Orange City, Iowa.
0: Yeah, I grew up in Clinton. Yeah, oh, yeah cool. and then I went to University of Iowa later on. Okay. That's yeah. Really good. yeah, so, yeah small world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, I've actually got halfway through a master's of theology degree myself. So I have a lot of the same interests you do, but we do. So how did you evolve into a pretty niche study of happiness?
1: Well, it's it's really been personal for me. You know, for me, it's like, I, I'm very truthful. You know, I kind of, in the sense of that, I, you know, it's hard to kind of, you might want to say kind of, I can see the BS in life. So if I heard someone say, okay, Hey, I'm, I'm making a billion dollars in my life. Great. I would watch them. I'd say, well, is your life great? And, you know, it's not hard to say, well, if you're drinking every night, it can't be that great. You know, if you have to get drunk every night because your life's so great. Or someone else say, hey, you know, I'm super successful. But, um, you know, again, but you see them getting really angry and having a lot of blowups. They're getting in trouble, trouble. So I just observe people and say, OK, well, what works and what doesn't? And um, and then um, because of that honesty, which I really do question when people say this is working for them, if you really ask it it they working for them temporarily, but the true happiness shouldn't take should always be there no matter what, like in any circumstance, no matter what's going on. Not when things are going well, but when things aren't going well, we should also be happy. And that's what I've been exploring. And now that's, again, like I said, that's what I share with people because I do feel there are things when you do them that make our lives go a lot better. And things if we don't do them is why we often suffer as much as we do.
0: So when you talk about true happiness, always being there, explore that a little bit more because I, I think people think that you have to be smiling all the time and laughing all the time to be happy. And I know in the study of religion, they talk a lot about joy and being joyful doesn't mean that you are always in a great mood. Kind of walk us through that.
1: Yeah, it's multiple prongs. One of the prongs is when we're about two, two and a half, we have a lot of experiences up to that point. We have good ones and we have bad ones. But when we're about two, two and a half, we start realizing, oh, If I do certain things, I can hang on to the good experiences. And if I do certain things, I can push away the bad experiences. You know, like, I like this, and I don't like that desire, things that I desire I want, and things I don't want, I fear them, I push them away. And from that that very simple technique, we develop ourselves, who our personalities are, and a lot of how we interact with the world is based upon those two needs. What do I want? having a lot of what I want, and not having much of what I don't want. And that, that, if that were true, then, you know, we should all just be heroin addicts because heroin addicts obviously, you know, feel very happy. You know, they're very you know, good inside. I mean, their lives are putrid, but they don't care because they feel good inside. So it can't just be the way we feel. If it's the way we feel, then, you know, any drug addict, you know, a lot of them are are pretty happy. It's much deeper than that. I think joy is a better word or peace is a word I like. Because what it is is when we are not thinking about things, when we're not saying, I wish life were different. And we're just flowing with life. Then we discover, oh, hey, that's a pretty peaceful place. I'm not necessarily laughing, but there's a deep sense of joy there. There's a deep sense of um, overall peace. So, you know, happiness is kind of a simple phrase, but it's a popular one is why I use it. But my hope is when people learn more about happiness they realize, oh, it's not just about, like you said, smiling all the time. But it's really a sense of being content with life, how I how I often how I always end my podcast as I say, accept what is and loving what is. And I think the key key element there is that we fight what is. We fight that, you know, right now maybe we're out of work and we're fighting that. We may be having health problems and we're fighting that. And there's nothing wrong with making changes to improve our lives. Absolutely. I'm big into that. But when those changes don't occur, when right now we can't do anything about it, then we have to say, okay, given that I can't do anything about it, Am I going to sit here and be upset about it and be angry about it and let it ruin my day? Or I'm going to say, well, I get that. That isn't going as well as I'd like. But there's five other things in my life that I really like. I'm going to focus on them. I, I recently heard a story about a man, you a know, father, two kids, and a wife who um, had committed suicide. And I thought you know, I, I was able to talk to the family a bit about it You know, and in this situation. His career was so important to him that that overshadowed everything else that he had that was so beautiful in his life. And I think what happens is when we suffer, we're really focusing on things not going the way we want. But it's not that things aren't going the way we want. It's what we want to have happening right now isn't going the way we want. And by the process of focusing on what we don't like, what's happening right now, we're just missing out on just a beautiful life. Because any of us, anyone listening to this podcast right now, for the most part, and walk outside, you know, step into nature, and take a deep breath, you know, and breathe in the beauty of nature. Even I've worked with people in hospital rooms. I, you know, We open the windows. We bring in flowers. There's always, as I say, there's always something beautiful to be with. But what we get caught in, that, that what happens again when we're two and two and a half, we have these two things that happen. We really want to hang on to the good things, and we really want to push away the bad things. But the problem with that is, in the mere process of doing those two things, that causes us to be unhappy. Those things are called attachments. And whenever something has to be a certain way, we're going to suffer. The more we lose, the more we, of course, I would prefer to live in a home instead of living on the street. Of course, I prefer to be in perfect shape instead of maybe being 40 pounds overweight and being divorced, whatever the whatever that everything is. But if right now we are 40 pounds overweight and we're divorced, then that's what's happening. That's what's going on. So how do we learn to celebrate that, make that, or at least make that work for us? If that's what's going on, instead of fighting it, of course, like I'm, I know people will challenge me on this quickly, they say, Don't we need to make changes? Of course we do. But right now, if we can't make any changes, then what we need to do is settle into accepting and ultimately loving that right now there's something we can be with that can put a smile on our face. I mean, you can take the most depressed person, I mean, suicidally depressed, and they for two hours go to a movie with their friends and hang out there for that two hours. If it's a good enough movie, they will completely forget about all their worries, all their anxieties, and they'll be in a good mood during whatever that movie is about. Once they leave the theater and then they see someone across the room that reminds them of their pain, it all rushes back to them. So it isn't that the situation in and of itself causes us pain. It's how we interpret it. That's why we suffer.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, So going back to childhood, so at two and a half, is that when you start to learn to be unhappy
1: well, it's when you start to learn to like. Okay, you have let's say like let's you know, kill, kids love like candy, for example. So they like, hmm, "I like candy. Candy is great." You have your first experience of chocolate. Oh, chocolate's so awesome. You say, "I want chocolate all the time." <laughs> you know, your parents say, "No, <laughs> you can have it on your birthday. You can have it once in a while." You say, "No, I want it all the time." So they get hysterical. They get upset because they want it now. And instead of realizing, "Oh, I can have it sometimes, but if I have it all the time, that may not be good for me." Even if I even if I like it and it tastes good, we know. But that's not good for us. Now, as adults, there are people called you know addicts that actually do that. They eat their chocolate all day long, and we consider them, of course, very unha- unhealthy. So we should outgrow that, but in many ways, we don't. We may not be addicted to severe addictions, but we may be addicted to you know, wanting that nicer car or wishing we had done more in life or wishing we were in a happier relationship. I mean, the, the list is almost endless. It just goes on and on and on. And once we get what we want, We so quickly, so quickly get used to it. There's a thing called um, um, hedonic adaptation. And what it says, is we've studied it very intensely. But what it is, is when you get something, let's say you lose example of you win, you know, like um, a hundred million dollars in a lotto. And we've actually studied this. Do you think, oh, everything should be great, right? Well, what happens is when you get that, say you buy your first house, it's 10 million. You buy a car that's a quarter of a million. Initially, it's very exciting. It's, It's like, it's great. But within within a little bit of time, you actually get very used to it, and you're no more happier than you were before. Or another example of that would be like having, again, using chocolate as an example, because I like chocolate. If you have a luscious dessert, a chocolate cake dessert, and that first bite is going to be your best bite, and the second bite will be good, but not as good. The third will be good, but not as good. The so longer you go, you really get used to it, so you don't even like it at the end. And it's really true. I mean, again, Drive through the neighborhood or, or here's an example. I love to use if any of us fly and I'm sure most of us do at some point When you walk through first class or business class Really stop and look at the people see are they smiling? Are they even happy? <laughs> are they even peaceful? Mostly usually they're actually the most Unhappiest people you'll see on the plane. They don't have to be it doesn't equate with unhappiness, but they're no more happier and That's what we think we think well if I have that beautiful home on the beach if I live here in Southern California now I work with people that have that home on the beach. I can absolutely guarantee you they are no more happier because we get used to whatever it is. So again, we can all use this example of thinking back when we were in high school and college. You know, we we, had, we owned nothing. We were very poor, poor, starving students. And yet, those can be very wonderful times for us. And now we have a lot. We may have amassed a lot. We may have a whole family, you know, a wife, a retirement, a nice home. And if you really examine the, just the state of overall happiness, None of those things are making you any happier at all. So if it doesn't seem like it's externally influenced by it, so then we ask ourselves, well, it's not external. What does cause happiness?
0: Yeah, that that is very interesting. And then I want to ask you what does cause happiness. But I want to ask you a question first. Have Have you seen a increase in unhappiness due to the age we live in of instant gratification, you know, kids are growing up and they have instant access to everything. They don't have to wait for anything. Has that created a whole different level of expectation that creates less happiness?
1: Well, I, 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 I agree with you, but let me, I, I see it slightly differently. I see us as, see it as, compare, compare us to like a computer, a blank computer. And all day long, let's say we type in the computer and things go in the computer. Whatever goes in that computer is going to come out of that computer. So if we type in, you know, like, you know, life is beautiful, you know, life is great, then, you know, good things are going to come out. But because of media now, we get so much, you know, we're told, I mean, the the, the, the everything we watch on television, TV, wherever it may be, audio, podcast, you know, there's there's always that sense of marketing there. And they do that because obviously they want to make money. And they they can't make money unless they create a need in you. I mean, the things I talk about really don't create a need. they create happiness. I'm saying you can have it without needing anything. So we're getting so bombarded, you know I don't know the age of you, but when I grew up, you know I may have watch some television, but nowadays, as you know, kids are pretty much constantly on their phones or you, right. know, iPad, you know constantly, so they're getting bombarded right, by saying, "If I have this, you're going to be happier. If you have this, you're going to be happier. If this happens in your life, you're going to be happier." And they, they can see I mean, just use an you know, example, they can see the most beautiful woman in the world. And if you look like this, you'll be happier. And so because there's a constant, always something has to be better in order to be happy. And we're getting bombarded by so much news that's negative. Well, before we may have not even known what was going on in Afghanistan. And today we can see videos of it, live videos of it. So because we can be so bombarded with so much information, we are affected by it. We We are that blank slate. So another analogy I like to use is like food. Think of food. We, you know, we are, we all heard the phrase, "We are what we eat." You know, we eat fast food all day long. We're gonna get deathly sick and die. If we, you know, fresh, organic fruits and vegetables. You know, and you know, I mean, you know, whatever if we eat, just healthy stuff. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna be better. So, so it's the same way mentally. Whatever you expose yourself to affects us. So if you if you're, if you're watching all day long negativity, or you're hanging out all day long in nature with positive people that's going to influence you. And we're pretty blank slate about it. We're pretty much whatever comes in going to go out. And because we've come so passive and we're just spending so much now time doing things that are you know are stimulating but they're not very good for us, it is causing us to be overall discontent, I would say. Yeah.
0: That's one of the things I quit doing several years ago is watching the news just because it, I read somewhere about, you know, take a look at the news and it's all negativity and it's really not good for you. And You know, I haven't missed much. Somebody will tell me some story or something, and I'll look it up real quick. But yeah, I I try to avoid that the negative input as much as I can.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the listeners to your podcast are doing the same. You know, I mean, that's why I think you know people that listen to podcasts tend to be uh, you know, ones like yours that are very health conscious. You know, they they're trying to learn things to improve their lives. So you're in a different breed. But you're in a different breed. You're in a different class because you're actually doing things to make changes. It isn't that we're better. We're not. It's not a sense of better. It's more a sense of just whatever you do. Again, if you work out, you're going to get in shape. If you don't work out, you're not. It's that, it's that simple. So whatever you expose yourself to matters. Everything matters. You know, if you smoke cigarettes, if you drink, you know, uh, you know, two bottles of wine every day, it's definitely going to have an impact on you. If you, you know, if you do things that are good for you, work out, go to the gym, you know, go to the spa, those Things also have an influence on you. So everything matters. So what we have to ask ourselves is we think it doesn't matter. We think, no, I can, I, can, I can watch horror shows all day long. It doesn't matter. It does matter. I can get in arguments with my spouse. It doesn't really matter. I can, um, you know, like, you know, banter around with my friends and, you know, make fun of like maybe other ethnicity. It doesn't matter. It all matters. So then the question you ask yourself is, OK, what am I doing? What am I doing? To do? Not to judge yourself but to say, is this something that's making my life better or is it going to make my life worse? And whatever we put in, we get out. So if we start, it's a two-prong process. One, if we start, obviously, surrounding ourselves with far more positive things, but at a deeper level, this goes back to the question you asked earlier, at a deeper level, if we learn to be still, we just learn to be quiet. When we're not thinking about anything, when we're just still, actually, life is pretty good. It's when we start thinking about things. That's when all the suffering comes in because we start thinking about, well, I wish this was different. I wish it was that way. We don't typically, when we think, we're not really solving problems. We're mostly, it's more like a kind of like going to a sporting event and we're the um, we're the commentator, you know, constantly commentating on how the, they're doing. And we're hearing that commentary about, well, this isn't good. If only this were better. When this happens, it's going to be better. And so that constant influx of things ought to be different, or I can't wait till this happens, or I wish this would get better, causes us to miss out on life. So most people, and there's are, I'm sure many people have heard of him, Henry David Thoreau, Said this thing that said this thing that I really like. Most people live lives of quiet desperation. I think there's a lot of truth in that because they're not thinking about what's coming in because what's ever coming in is going to go out, and mostly what comes in is our thoughts. Mostly what we interact with throughout the day is our thoughts. So part of the path I try to teach people is is to begin to watch what are you thinking about throughout the day. Are you thinking about I'm too heavy? Are you thinking about you know, my, my, my brother has a lot more money than I do. Or you're thinking, you know, well, if I really win the lotto, I'll be better. You're thinking, well, if I got in better shape and better, if there's always a sense of discontent with what is, you will be discontent. So if you start thinking about, well, I get there are things I want to change and I'm working on it. So I'm listening to Dan's podcast, but I'm also going to really savor each moment because I realize life is a gift. And if I really delve into that gift of life and see the beauty of life and life, ends up being pretty well. But it has a lot to do with, instead of mentally commenting on life, it has a lot to do with just living life well. It's like I call it like, it's like, you know, like sports sports athletes do the thing called being in the zone. This is about living in the zone where you're not thinking about winning, you're not thinking about losing, you're just living life. And that's what In the Zone is about in sports. And we can really, with a lot of work and effort, can do the same things in our personal lives too.
0: So I I bet there's people thinking now like, well, some people are just unhappy. Some people are just happy. Aside from having a clinical condition, you're saying that you can change the way you you view the world. You can you can create happiness in your life, right?
1: Right. Well, it's it's about it's all about how you view the world. If you think the world is you know going to debauchery, it's gonna it's gonna keep getting worse. And you know, basically, most people are corrupt. You're absolutely right. If you feel like no, I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the world, but I know my world. I can make better, and I can keep improving it. And I really believe the world in the world I'm going to experience is going to be a better place. You're absolutely right. Whatever we believe is true. It doesn't mean it is true. It just means what I believe is true. So that's why when a person is depressed, they are clearly thinking depressed thinking. If you know you've ever, I mean, I'm a clinical psychologist, so I'm very experienced after 30 years of working with depressed people. The way they see the world, if you if you came into one of my sessions or talked with me when I was talking to them, you'd very quickly, quickly see that their ideas are silly. It's like they're very silly ideas. You know, why would they think that? That's like silly. They're thinking that and that is causing them to be depressed. So it isn't the validity of our thoughts that matter. It's just what are those thoughts? And those thoughts are so powerful that when you begin to see that, oh, wow, it isn't whether my thoughts are true or not. They just are. So am I going to start is it good for me to be thinking this? Is it good for me to think that our government is going to be in ruin in three years? Or is it better for me to think, hey, I'm going to see what I can do to make it better, but mostly I'm going to live my life. And if I can't do anything to make it better right now, then it's always going to be back to mostly I'm just going to live well right now. It's a lot about living well right now because we really don't know what the future is going to unfold. There's this thing called impermanence. Life always changes. So the best the best plans can completely go to, go to fiasco. Let's say, for example, you married your high school sweetheart, you, know, you spent 20 years with them, and then it ends. It's like, okay, you have a question to ask yourself. Do I? Is my life over? As there are a lot of people are. They say, that's horrible. I'm just going to be miserable the rest of my life. Say, hmm, well, that isn't what I expected, but now what am I going to do? I'm going to explore what it's like to be single and having more free time now because I get every other weekend free. It's all how we look at it. And both situations, both perspectives are correct. So what we have learned is the way we look at the world definitely matters the way we see it. It's like our filters completely make, allow us to see the world a certain way. So we say, well, what are my filters? Are they positive? Are they negative? Are they just doing a lot of things to bring good stuff into my life that I'm focusing in on, you know, on the good things in my life? You know, like if you're in worst case scenario, let's say like, again, you're in the hospital, and you're dying. You know, you, you could focus on your friends coming to visit you, your family, and the flowers are bringing and the birds singing outside, or you can focus on you're leaving everyone and it's just horrible and it's not fair. They're both true. It's just one will have one result, one will have the other. So when you begin to see the power of the thoughts, it isn't that you judge them, it's just say, okay, is this helpful for me? It, because to say that one thing is absolutely right and one thing is absolutely wrong it, is not a philosophically sound argument. It's better to say, is this helpful for me? And can I, with my way I'm viewing it, can I perhaps see this in a better light? And again, I'm very big into making changes. Social changes are very important in our own lives and other people's. But when we can't, then mostly what we need to do is live. And that's like living in the zone, living in the present without all commentary that I wish it was different.
0: You know, I spent a lot of time in the hospitals as a executive, and I know a lot of doctors and a lot of nurses and Kids growing up and they want to be doctors and they want to be nurses. And then the ones that are actually in the hospitals are, and I know it's way worse now than it used to be, you know, the physician burnout rate and the physician suicide rate and nurses. I mean, I know so many nurses that get into the field and leave. I think the. Like the most recent statistic is like within three years, like 30% of nurses leave the field. And within like five, it's like 60 or 70%. I don't know if that's exactly right. But so you work real hard to become a professional, especially as a physician. You spend, you know, 11 years, you get into a field and then you start experiencing this burnout right away. And I think these professionals get into this state where they're saying I've invested everything into becoming this person. And now I'm not happy. What would be your advice for people like that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. The biggest thing they're hitting and fill in the blank with anyone that would say, this is going to make me happy. That's the place that's going to catch you. Being a doctor and being a nurse isn't going to make you any happier. It's not. It's a nice profession to do. And if you're good enough to do well at school and keep up without with at the same time, having a life, then that's great. But if you give and give and give and say, well, if I give enough, if I make enough, if I have a big enough home, it's all going to be great. That is not true. Those things are completely irrelevant. A person you know, living uh, in a one-bedroom apartment can, or even like just you know surfing and living by the beach, wherever he or she may be, can be equally as happy or more happy than someone that lives in a $4 million home because they've done so much with the medical profession. So what happens is they think, if I just reach this point, Then I'll be happy. First, I got to first I got to get into medical school. That's the hard challenge. I made it, awesome. Okay, now my next focus is getting through medical school. I made it, awesome. Now my next focus is getting into my residency. Okay, got one. Made it, awesome. Now I got to build up my practice and pay back all my student loans. I made it, awesome. Now I got to buy my house because now I got a little bit of extra money to spend. I can buy a nice car. I made it, awesome. And on and on it goes. It's just always waiting to tell someday you reach a goal. Again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with going towards goals. But what will preclude us from getting burnt out is enjoying the journey all along the way. I have well, I had the great blessing when I grew up in Iowa. I, one summer, worked at a really tough job. It was actually a packing plant. It was a horrible job. But I worked there for a summer. It was like $100 a week. And um, when I was done, I saved enough money for the next summer to travel through Europe for three months on $2,000. I literally traveled through Europe three months on $2,000. But I learned something that summer. I realized, oh, they immediately start off taking six weeks a year. I mean I don't know if they do that anymore, but back then they did, you know. And um they really tried to eat two hour lunches, two hour dinners. Their life was very different than ours. I said, you know, I want to make sure that I'm living life well all along the way and not just waiting until someday I reach a goal, then I'm gonna rest on my laurels or rest, retire and be happy. It's better, it's far better to enjoy the journey. So why people get burnt out because they're working so hard thinking, well if I reach these goals, then it'll be fine, then everything will be great. And, um, it just doesn't, it never works. Extreme example, doctors one, but I work in Newport Beach. I work with corporations, but I also work in private practice with with very successful people in Newport. There's a group of, usually it's men, not always, but it's men. Because Newport is very entrepreneurial. And I work with, I worked with, I don't know, I mean, over a hundred over the years, but these men work really hard. I mean, talking 120 hour work weeks for like, say, you know, two to say 10, 15 years. And they amass a huge fortune, fortune. And then they retire. I can't say all of them, but I'd say 90% of them in one to two years are full-blown alcoholics. So they kill themselves for that way in order to become an alcoholic. So it's never good to say, I'm going to work hard, and then someday I'm going to live. It's always good to say, I'm going to work hard, but I'm also going to enjoy the journey along the way. So I have in my career, I've seen clients, and you know, worked in the corporate world for 30 years now. That's a long time. I love what I do. I'm not remotely of retirement i actually plan on not retiring but we'll But i'm not planning on it and um my key of it is i always take off at least six weeks a year i always take off i always take a three-day weekend and um you know i keep my life fairly simple so because of that you know it it makes it so it keeps me in the game and i when i do my work i do it but then i also in the morning get up and go to the gym and i go to yoga i take my kids to school i mean it's it's both and so Yes, I have to keep my life a little more simple because, you know, I could make more of a work more, but I'm also enjoying the journey. I think that's a choice we have to make is waiting until someday we're going to enjoy life is going to cause us to get burnout. And I think that's why you see it in the medical profession. They're giving so much. They don't give to themselves. It is far better to metaphorically see ourselves as a cup full of water. And we're going to water people around us like a watering plant. And so um, if our cup is full, we have so much to give. But if our cup is empty, we're going to get burnt out. So every day, what I do before I go, you know, off to work, or I'm flying, or I'm traveling, I say, okay, how do I make sure that I'm okay first? And then I go to work. Or how to make sure I'm doing okay, and then my family, then everything else falls into place. So that's really the key. Is, it is if we're waiting till if I reach these goals, if I help enough people, everything's going to go great. It isn't really true. I, I had the, the privilege many, many years ago going to India. And I'm uh, um, briefly um meeting Mother Teresa in Calcutta. And you know, I don't know if you know much about her, but you know, I mean, one of the most beautiful souls that ever lived. But we discovered after she passed that um she struggled with pretty severe depression, even though she was doing great things. So but the one thing if you other thing if you knew about her, everyone knew about her when she lived, that she was more well than she was more sick than she was well. She just always pushed herself. I mean, I'm not trying to say anything derogatory about Mother Teresa, but I do think life goes better when we give to ourselves and from that fullness, then we give back to the, we give to the world far better. And learning about how to be happy, learning how to improve our lives, is a learned skill. We have in depthly studied it. We know the steps it takes to live a beautiful life. But you have to learn them. You're gonna learn how to live life based upon what your parents taught you and what you're exposed to. If you're not exposed to happiness, peace, and joy, if you're not exposed to people like that, then most likely, and if your parents weren't, then most likely the path you're on will probably not be one of that. But it's one that all of us can learn,
0: right? What a great approach! I want to ask you about the hedonic, and yeah, if, average, if, uh, and if my uh, yeah, and if my terms I, <laughs> and if my terms are wrong, because I, I I read this study that it's uh, hedonic versus eudonic, right? And it was about the immune system, hmm. and so hedonic is is more of self-serving, right? And-
1: yeah, it's just a sense of that we adapt. What it is, what it means, is that we.
0: We, we think
1: that if we have experiences, it's kind of like if you, you – know if you um, again, like if you – the chocolate cake thing. If you have chocolate cake, um, it's going to be great. Or if I get that – if I get a brand-new Maserati, oh, I love that Maserati. But really, very quickly, we get used to it. I mean, again, I, I love to, the listeners to, fix, you know, to use themselves as an example. Think of something you wanted, say, 5, 10, 15 years ago that you really passionately wanted, whether it was a house, it was a car – Maybe that partner, maybe that girlfriend, maybe that boyfriend, whatever it may have been, that body shape, because I know this is a health conscious show, whatever it may have been, and you reset goal. Were you consistently for the rest of your life happier? And we're gonna find that no, we're not. So we adjust the things. So thinking anything externally, I mean, you use the example Dan of doctors that you worked with for many years. I mean, they are you know considered you know the kind of the pinnacle. Of our culture. I mean, they have a lot of education. They do well financially. They should be the happiest people on the planet. And, you know, and yet doctors and lawyers have a very high suicide rate because it just, success in and of itself doesn't work. If it worked, Robin Williams would still be with us. Right, Robin, Robin right. Williams was a beautiful soul. I mean, on and on goals. Um, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, I can give you example after example of people that are beautiful souls, but it just doesn't work. The external success never works. It has to be internal. And that's the beautiful thing about it is you don't need to succeed. You don't need to make a lot of money. You don't need to be famous. You don't need to even be impressive to other people. You just need to learn how to live well in the here and now. And you can be as happy and as peaceful as anyone you've ever met in your entire life. And any of us
0: can have that. So how do you get that?
1: Again, <laughs> you have to see it as, you know, it's, multi, it's many things. You know, there's multiple things. It's learned. A lot of it is is is. It boils down to simply living in the present moment well without having those fears and attachments. When we don't have any attachments towards wanting things to be different or, you know, wanting things to go away, we flow with life. Life goes beautifully. So when we do, for example, let's say we have a job that we really like and they downsize, they let us go. So in that situation, to be happy, we say, well, that isn't what I wanted, but I'm going to make this work. So it's called being having preferences in life. Of course, we can have preferences. But when the preference is, I have to have this in order to be happy, then we're setting ourselves up for suffering. Even if we have what we want, let's say we have our spouse, if we're in a relationship and we are happily married, one of us is going to die first, guaranteed. No, no, almost guaranteed. I guess we can sometimes say at the same time. In the 99.999% of the time, one of us is going to die. The other one is going to keep going. So, Hanging on tightly to anything, even our children, can cause us suffering. Seeing life as a gift that we say, I'm so thankful for what I have, but tomorrow I may not be here. Then all of a sudden, you become what I call like a super enjoyer because you're just so thankful for everything you have, realizing that it's just a gift today. It's like a really good meal. It's like you're kind of on a permanent vacation because you're seeing like the house you own, you don't own it. The car you own, you don't own it. The health you have, you don't own it. The career you have, you don't own it. The relationships you have, you don't own, you have, you don't own anything because you don't own them, you appreciate them more. I mean, we have our best times when we go on vacation, and we don't own anything when we're on vacation, because we realize it's temporary, we're going to enjoy it. If we do that with our lives, we learn, oh, this life is a gift. I just need to enjoy it along the way, and I realize some things come, and some things go. If I don't fight that coming and going, and have a flow of life, life, again, goes really well. Again, I go far more in depth in my happiness podcast, and we're you know, doing this for a little over half an hour, but these are things we can learn as we learn to be unhappy. It's just a learned skill. And if we learn these skills again, um, like learning to live in the present moment, like not being attached, like having preferences and saying things have to be a certain way, then life begins to go really well.
0: Are there a couple simple exercises that people could start? Because I'm thinking like right now, maybe somebody's listening saying, well, how do I control every single thought every single day? Is What's a, yeah. kind of an easy yeah. approach to get started? Yeah,
1: a simple one would be, well, twofold. One, one is, you know, just sometimes when you're having a rough day and things aren't going well, just step outside in nature, you know, find a park. I mean, it can just be anywhere, just, you know, a little grassy area. Sit down and just sit. I know it's going to be hard to quiet your mind, but just sit and try to, our minds can only be on one thing at a time. So sit and focus on the beauty of nature around you and realize that during that short amount of time, if you can quiet the mind, you can get in a pretty good spot. And the other thing, the kind of the reverse of that to do is to do this: to say, okay, what is it that I'm most afraid of? What am I most fearful of losing, or most desiring to want to have the most? I'll so say, you know, I'm applying to the colleges right now, and I really want to get into, um, um, you know, law school. So if you can say, if you can imagine, it's called a negative visualization. If you can imagine actually not getting into law school, or fill in the blank, or you know, imagine that, you know, your parents going to die that, and that's fearful for you. You can actually visualize that for just a few minutes, that happening and say, OK, I get it. I do not want this to happen, but I can visualize it happening and it's OK. I can do that. Then what will happen is you won't be as fearful anymore. So it is good to sometimes really look at the things. That, OK, what is causing me the most awe? We almost all have something that's really bugging us. <laughs> you know, it's like, OK, right now, let's say I have back pain. Let's say, okay, another example would be I have back pain. Okay, I I, I don't like this. It hurts, Dr. Bob. I know that. So, but if you could visualize that, yes, the back hurts. You know, we're pretty good. I mean, top athletes live with pain all the time. We can adapt to pain. It doesn't have to take away our complete joy of life. We can say, well, I don't like this back pain. And if it is going to be there for the rest of my life, well, it's going to be there. I'm going to make my life work. So it's a sense of accepting, accepting that this could happen. And I'm okay with that. What will happen is, when you, what will happen is that 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 suffering that comes from that attachment begin to loosen, and we won't be as afraid. We won't be so fearful. If we're not sure what's going to happen in the political world right now, say, well, I don't know what's going to happen, and that's okay. I don't need to know. And then when we relax, and then when we live more in the present, life goes so much better. But remember, it's our attachments that cause us to suffer. So if we can face them and say. Yes, I really, really, really don't want this to happen. But if it were to happen, I could still imagine that being okay. If you can't, then you got to say, well, I can hang on to this attachment, but it is going to cause me suffering. Maybe it's time for me to let go of this. It doesn't mean we still work into getting into law school. It just means we don't suffer. We'll actually do better on our law exam, the MCAT, to get into law school, whatever it may be, whatever test we have to take, whatever we need to do. We're going to do it so much better. When we're calmer, I mean, even think of like going for a job interview. You're going to do it so much better when you're calm. And you can say, you know, I'll take this or leave this. I would like to have this, but I don't have to. That calmness will make you do so much better in an interview or a sporting event, whatever it may be. When we don't fight life, when we realize I can roll with life. Life actually begins to go all the way.
0: Those are great tips. In our last few moments, talk about your podcast. You have the Happiness Podcast. I just looked it up. I don't know if you know the Reagan Star uh, website, but they rank the podcast. And yours Thanks. is number one on iTunes in the self help category. Congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. That's <laughs> awesome. So, uh, talk a little bit about you. I think you were on 133, if I remember correctly, somewhere around yeah. there. So, you've been doing it for several years then.
1: I have been, <laughs> about five actually. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, it's, you know, again, they're short. They're like 10 to 15 minutes long. They're not long. And I I really try to make it incredibly practical. I give lots and lots of examples, a lot of stories, some of my own, some of other people's. And I just, you know, I just talk to the audience and say, well, this is what we can do, like the negative visualization, you know, hedonic adaptation, set point for happiness, all these things that we can do. And I am just regularly, you know, searching the world, um, trying to figure out what are the things we can do to make our lives better. And I just share them with my audience, and I really enjoy doing it. So kind of my real passion in life.
0: Yeah, well, widely popular. That's awesome. Thanks. Uh, in our last moments, any final comments?
1: Yeah, I think people always ask me, if I could recommend one thing, what would it be? Um, if you're able to, you know, if you're if background for Christian, you would call it contemplative prayer. But if not, if you're comfortable with, um, you know, meditation, either of those two. What it is, is learn to just sit and not be so engaged with the mind. The mind activity is going to cause us in the long run the most suffering if we can learn to quiet the mind no matter how active your mind is it is a learned skill that any of us can learn So, learning to quiet the mind and not being so active spending a little bit of time just breathing and slowing down and letting that crazy mind of ours not go all the time can be a really helpful thing to learn how to improve our lives
0: yeah i absolutely agree with that and it's it is hard but it's it is. It, but it takes a or while and practice, yeah. but it's definitely well worth it. Something I've been doing recently is I make sure every day that I visualize something positive, kind of yeah. look a couple years down the road and, and visualize something positive. And it's yeah. a, it's Perfect. amazing yeah. what little things like that do. Oh, yeah.
1: They're, they're, I mean, the, our mind is, realize the power of our mind. It's like, I, I can go on and on about this, but it's just realizing your mind is powerful. Whatever you believe is true. So... You know, I mean, it may, you may say, but Dr. Puff, I believe I want to win a million dollars or are going to win the lotto. well, that you don't really believe that because you know that probably won't happen. But if you believe that I'll only be happy if I win the lotto, that's true. <laughs> you may be, right. you may never be happy then, but that's the part you have to kind of you know, put into perspective. So,
0: yeah. Well, this has been great. Dr. Puff, thank you so much for being on the show today. You've shared so much with the audience. And, and, and I think personally, this is so important to be happy, have a good mindset and you know it's gonna make every day enjoyable for you
1: yeah i agree too my pleasure being here dan
0: yeah thank you so much thank you thank you for being with us today and we hope that you are on the road to your successful low-carb lifestyle become a leader in your health and a leader in life check us out at www.thelowcarbleader.com and remember to join dan again next time on the low-carb leader podcast